Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reservations. We are your hosts. I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm Spartacus. <laughs> you know they have that on Steelbook 4K at Best Buy? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Kirk uh-huh. Douglas. Yeah. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I was... It was like, no, I'm Spartacus. I don't know. I, I just, uh, he's Spartacus. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> oh, what? We, what? You're going to do what? Oh, no, he's... That's him. <laughs> it, that movie should have been five seconds long. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, last week uh, with Prisoners. Yes, Prisoners. I was very excited to do that, and I yeah. hope people enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I meant to ask my dad what he thought since he got a, a big shout-out. He did say that he... He, he, <laughs> he was like, I thought you were going to... Shout me out during the Goofy movie episode, and I was like, uh, well, "I mean, I kind of did." I mean, he was like, "Yeah, but you said you I only had the tape," and I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> and here I am, just being like, "My dad and I really bonded over that. I love my dad. My dad loves me." Blah 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, uh, but we're gonna kind of keep with the. Uh, I wouldn't really say seriousness, but I mean, this movie is. Technically a drama. Well, I'm about to get serious. Yeah, you're going to get serious. You, you've you already warned me, mm-hmm. and you've even only said half of what you wanted to tell me off mic. Mm-hmm. Um, that, of course, we're going to talk about the movie Chaplin, directed by uh, Richard Attenborough. Mm-hmm. Freaking, uh, can't think of his character's name from Jurassic Park. It always eludes me. He was Santa Claus and uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah, I don't care the about remake. that. Wow. I only care about Jurassic Park. Oh, my God. In my mind, that is that is his defining career moment. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> but, yeah. Chaplin. Yeah. Okay. With, um, now, we, we do want to briefly uh, talk about who Charlie Chaplin is, because I know for any of the younger listeners out there, if there are any younger listeners, I would hope maybe there's young and old listeners. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty big on SoundCloud. Uh, I mean, we're huge on SoundCloud. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, I mean, we're pretty much the owners now. Yeah, we... <laughs> With Joel Schumacher, too. I mean... Yeah, I, I mean, we... I mean, yeah. I mean, Joel's along for the ride. I mean, obviously. I mean, yeah. he's a... You know, he's a silent partner, but... He's, he's invested a lot uh, in us. Yeah, we are pretty big on SoundCloud. I mean, we... I mean, we really... I mean, I'm glad that we do know who Charlie Chaplin is. I mean, I... But, I mean, it would be just understandable if we didn't, right? Because, yeah. you know, we're 26 and we, I don't know, I, we should know who he is. But we do, and that's great. Yeah. I, I of course, am somewhat of a, you know, a mega fan of his. I, yeah. I've you, seen, you got that Criterion collection? Oh, yeah. I've seen most of all of his movies. I've seen, you know, his short films. I've, you know, watched documentaries and blah, blah, blah. So, um, anyway, Charlie Chaplin was a silent film conglomerate yeah uh, during uh, the starting in the 20s he opened Charlie Chaplin Studios in 1918 uh, which is now Jim Henson Studios uh, really? in Hollywood California yeah you have a uh, Kermit wearing the tramp outfit uh, on top of the building really yeah didn't you visit there I only got to visit the outside um in big cities on Mondays, things are closed. So, uh, uh, unfortunately, the uh, the studio wasn't open on that day. They weren't doing tours? No. Like, um, I paid money? Yeah. <laughs> you get someone down here. It was a fun bonus to, just to be there. I mean, it was cool because I was there for a wedding. And yeah. so, to be able to see and touch the, the foot and hand impressions on the... 
on the whatever cement mm-hmm. and it's saying his signature in 1918 or whatever it was really really cool so wow. I, I really enjoyed that so I just so I, I know where I'm about to argue get off topic but I so Jim Henson bought his mm-hmm. studio yeah wow that's so crazy yeah I don't know when he bought it um, for why though just because it's gigantic, just flex and it's, nuts. Well, no, because I mean it's it's a huge studio space. I mean it's well, and you um, know Jim Henson was he was flexing nuts. I mean, yeah, he's probably flexing a little bit nuts. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know guess if he's doing apartment. Guess guess what we're filming? Uh, the Muppets. Yeah, Charlie Chaplin Studios. Get uh, on my level. Yeah, and now it's Jim Henson Studios. Yeah, uh, it might not have been called Jim Henson Studios until he died. I don't know. I don't know the history of the building. Um, I should, but I don't. Guess we're going to have to do a deep dive with Jim Henson now. Mm, I'd rather not. But anyway, I uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wouldn't want to. Um, but anyway, um, started out in vaudeville like most mm-hmm. people did back then in the very early uh, 1900s and um, started in the film business um, in about 1915, uh, made lots of short films and then started doing his own thing for his own production company doing um, – full-length feature film starting with The Kid in 1921. Mm -hmm. And co-starring the child and that is Jackie Coogan. You might know Jackie Coogan from The Addams Family. He plays Uncle Fester. Wow. In The Addams Family, yeah. No Uh, shit. Yes, in the original 1960s series. That is crazy. So if you see Jack, if you see Uncle Fester, just know he was in a Charlie Chaplin film when he was a kid. Wow. Which is insane. That is insane. And which brings up my number one issue with this movie is that they spend very little time about the filmmaking. Well, we'll, we'll get there. Because <laughs> I, I know that you have so much to say. I do. I've written a lot this of stuff movie. down. Um, but, you know, um, I do want to point out, though, that <clears throat> I was watching some of the special features of, of Chaplin, mm-hmm. the film that we're talking about. Um, and Robert Downey Jr. said in an interview, you know, before the movie came out, that... You know, he was the first, you know, worldwide, world famous man that yeah. everyone knew who he was. Yeah. Which, you know, it, you know, in the 20s, in the silent film area, <clears throat> I don't think anyone had that kind of Douglas recognition. Douglas Fairbanks did. Oh, okay. Uh, Douglas Fairbanks was gigantic in the, in the silent film mm-hmm. industry. And uh, so was uh, Miss Pigford as well. She was really big in the silent film era. And during that time, also Buster Keaton was also pretty big. Um, But he was doing the two reelers um, still during – he started after Chaplin did. Right. Uh, And so not by much, Mm -hmm. but when he – when Buster started doing his two reelers – um, Chaplin had already moved on to feature lengths, right? Mm-hmm. And so where Buster was still very, very recognizable, very well-known, very celebrated, because he's also equally as a genius as Charlie Chaplin mm-hmm. was, Chaplin just exploded. Right. And would you say it's because Chaplin really knew how to balance comedy and point like the point of his films it's it's possible a lot of it has to do with just you know his yeah i would say the mixture of comedy and drama or comedy and romance or you know having all of this stuff together but a lot of it you know is just he made movies people wanted to see and that are wonderful to watch even today i watch them all the time Mm -hmm. um 
and he's listen. <laughs> Chaplin was a genius. Okay, right. this is you know I know that word gets used a lot, but in this case, it's true. I mean, yeah. he wrote, directed, starred, produced, composed all of his movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, he did all of that. Right. Uh, so he's very hands-on. He didn't really like to delegate, uh, which some could see as an issue, but not if you see the final product. If the final product had lacked, he probably wouldn't have. He probably would have given up some sort of the reins a bit. Mm-hmm. But they're great, and so um, I mean, I want to talk about later on um, because they do in the in Chaplin show a little bit of the gold rush and how that mm-hmm. kind of looked, right and. I want to talk in length about a specific shot in uh, modern times, which they don't even talk about. Okay. Which is um, a crime because it is <laughs> one of the most delicate and one of the most complicated shots, in my opinion, in silent film history. I, I, I think and I have a no seamless. I think I know the the shot you're talking um, about, and it's and it's perfect, but. <clears throat> The reason why, and you know, it's understandable that, and this is where I kind of have to play devil's advocate on myself because I get why Attenborough didn't put all of this in the movie because he couldn't because right. Chaplin didn't tell anyone how he did anything mm-hmm. um, in regards to his filmmaking. He never documented, wrote anything down, nothing. So right. if he did it and he pulled it off, he didn't write. He didn't write down how, mm-hmm. and so we're having to speculate you know, in retrospect and try to figure out how he did things retroactively. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing about Chaplin, what made him so, so important and such a genius is because he was pretty stubborn. Yeah. So in 1927, we get sound. Okay. Yes. And most notably in Al Jolson's The Jazz Singer. Um, now, by the time he made his first talkie, this is not a joke. 13 years had gone by. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And so by the time Chaplin makes a, quote, talkie, like a full-on talkie, mm-hmm. um, they were no longer called talkies anymore. They were just called movies. And in fact, his other work now had a new name. Really? The silent film. Um, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Because they were just movies. They were just films up mm-hmm. until... 27, and then now we're having to make the distinction. Right. Right. And so he's been doing this so long that this new thing is starting to lose its name and the old thing has gained a new one. Mm-hmm. And and it's impressive that people still went to see these films oh, like yeah. City Lights, Modern Times. Um, now, Modern Times has a little bit of talking in it. It's not him. But a little bit. Well, and you know, and that's <clears throat> and that time in Hollywood <clears throat> is really crazy because, you know, um, a lot of these silent film actors and actresses couldn't find work when talkies came in. And I know how you feel about the about Chaplin the movie, mm-hmm. but you know when he talks about it, he makes a fair point mm-hmm. that you know if you see if you see someone you know. But then you hear their voice for the first time, and it doesn't match. Yeah, he uh, he brought up the ballet scenario uh, uh, example, which is great because ballet does not have dialogue. Mm-hmm. 
so it was the perfect example to give because people still go to ballets today. And right. so just because there's no dialogue doesn't mean it's not compelling to watch. Oh, absolutely. Right? So um, that was a marvelous example. I don't know if that was a real conversation he ever had with anybody. Who knows? Um, no. But well, You know, and it's yeah. kind of my first uh, – First thing is, you know, kind of like Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. I love Sunset Boulevard. Oh, so do I. You know, is, you know, the, the story of a former silent film actress who, coincidentally, she used to be a silent film actress. I can't think of her name, but... Gloria Swanson. Yes. <clears throat> and uh, Buster Keaton's in the movie, too. Oh. Uh, she is playing cards. Um, it's one of her old silent film friends uh, uh, when she's playing cards in the, uh, in the den or whatever. I one never, of them is Buster Keaton. Well, see, you know, my mom showed me that film and I didn't know who any of those people Well, no, were. I mean, and, you know, yeah. it's just um, a fun blanket. But, you know, but, you know, that's a perfect example of how Hollywood kind of moved on mm-hmm. <clears throat> from these silent film stars who couldn't find work when talkies came in and took over. Yeah, and Buster's was one of those. I know we're talking a lot about Buster Keaton on a Chaplin episode. <laughs> um, their their lives do sort of connect in really weird, strange ways. And the most important way is their the amount of marriages they had. Oh, yeah. And when they finally settled, um, they were in their, you know, mm-hmm. in their later years, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, same happened with Buster. The only difference is Buster couldn't didn't make it um mm-hmm. and when sound came in and a lot of it was because he gave up his he gave up all the power that he had over his intellectual property gave it up mm-hmm. and both Chaplin and Fairbanks told him not to do that and so um which is amazing that that's not in the movie that they knew each other of course they did right yeah. Um, they were even a movie together in 1952, Limelight, which is one of my favorite uh, Chaplin films. Um, but they <laughs> – and this really made me mad. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of this. Sorry, guys. Um, is that uh, Chaplin and Fairbanks created United Artists together. Mm-hmm. And that gets like two throwaway dialogue lines in the movie. Yeah, because – Of United Artists. Because Chaplin says that he hated that uh, – Fairbanks hated the United Artists. Well, it, it, regardless, it's still super important in film yeah. history that United Artists even existed in the first place. And um, and the fact that that's like, oh, what about United Artists? Oh, yeah, I was in United Artists with Fairbanks and blah, 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 blah. And that was it. You yeah. know, it's like, guys, it's so much more important than that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't read my autobiography um, because I because it doesn't have any of the stuff I want in it. Mm-hmm. Um, e- even in the movie, <laughs> they say, uh, Chaplin has the line, if you want to know me, watch my movies. And that could not be more true. Yeah. Um, because it's not by watching this. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't Chaplin. This is, you know, womanizing, troublemaking Chaplin. This yeah. isn't the genius he is. Yeah, so we should we should preface. Uh, so the film Chaplin, the movie that we're talking about, is a biopic of his life. <clears throat> but as Jeremy's been saying, they focused more on his marriages and relationships rather than the filmmaking process. And which I think there's when he meets Mac, 
at towards uh, I think the first forty five minutes in, mm-hmm. and then da, 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 probably half, and then towards the end of the movie, mm-hmm. and then there's like the three like movie parts, and then everything else is yeah his relationships with the women and right because it is the the old two reeler days. Mm-hmm. Right, and then it's the kid when he tries to protect the film from being taken by his ex-wife, his first wife. Yep. And then it's City Lights. Uh, no, it's Gold Rush. Then City Lights. A little bit of modern. T- I mean, this is all a little bit of these, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then barely any of Limelight. And then and they skip Monsieur Verdu, but they do a little bit more of Great Dictator. Yeah, because. And, that's and it. we'll get there. Yeah, I mean, and that's it. I mean, this is, we just glossed it. We spent more time talking about his <laughs> movies than they did. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yes, Charlie, you know, was, you know, a bit promiscuous in yeah. his life. Mm-hmm. He had four different marriages, his fourth one being his final uh, and lasting marriage. Um. He had several, you know, relationships in between those, you know, children with his second wife and then children with his fourth wife. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, you know, much like you said, uh, it there's so much more to him than that. I agree. Obviously, because you just said it. I think they really, you know, see, I never thought because I enjoyed the film. You know, um, you know what? Going into it, I thought I did too. Uh, it had been so long since I sat down and actually watched it, and this time I took notes, uh-huh. right? And I was like, "Oh, maybe I don't like this movie because I'm I'm only writing down criticisms. What am I doing that for?" Um, whereas last week when I was doing Prisoners, I mean, I I could write a glowing review of Prisoners, yeah. no problem. So right? um, I do want to point this out though, and this is kind of. Um, because I meant to write down his age versus his wife's age. Because mm-hmm. he, like I said, everyone, uh, he was very promiscuous and he had a thing for younger ladies. I mean, that's the thing about high school girls, Ryan. Oh, I get older, God. they stay the same. Jesus age. Christ. <laughs> I was so, I was hoping neither one of us was going to make that joke. Oh, no. No. Oh, it's so easy. I just did. I so. mean, it's bad enough that I outed myself as a freak in the Goofy Movie episode. That's true. Saying that uh, I, I want a half dog, half <laughs> human, humanoid woman that's insanely hot. Yeah. <sighs> that's anyway. saying about high school girls. My fucking god. Anyway, um, but anyway, yeah. so uh, but I did calculate his age when he married Una, his <laughs> his final wife. Mm-hmm. He was fifty four years old when they got married in nineteen forty three. She was twenty one. She was eighteen. Oh, eighteen. And then she he was. Oh no, because Diane oh, Lane. I apologize, everyone. No, Diane Lane's character was twenty one. Um, and she was sixty six when she died in nineteen ninety one. And he was 88 when he died in 1977. Christmas Day, 1977. Yeah, it's... <clears throat> By the way, not written down, just something I know. It's a little... It's a little... I, I mean, to, to, you know, to, to, you know, woke culture now, that's a little gross. But the 40s, that was a common thing. Yeah, but I mean, it's... Well, I would say common. Because they do bring it up, you know, mm. when they do the ridiculous sort of uh, J. Edgar Hoover stuff. Yeah. Uh, which I hated. <laughs> uh, because Jager Hoover and uh, Joseph McCarthy 
are TMZ before TMZ. <laughs> okay, they're just like, what's that celebrity up to? How can we humiliate them? Are they a communist? Let's find out. You know what I mean? It's it's so silly. Um, um, and and in Roger Ebert's review, uh, he even mentions that we know J. Edgar Hoover was just a celebrity obsessed lunatic. No. Uh, that all he wanted was to abuse his power to find out all of these sex scandals and all of this intricate knowledge of these celebrities and their private lives. But, you know, they're not treating Edgar Hoover that way in the movie mm-hmm. uh, because all of this is retrospect. And so they treat him as he was, you know... Um, Being fully serious? Well, yeah, and as he was... Being portrayed at the time, right, which is very serious and something to be feared, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of what we know now, <clears throat> right? And, Sidebar, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, what did you uh, do? Do they go over any of this in the uh, J. Edgar movie with Leonardo DiCaprio? I've only seen that movie once. I've never seen it. I've heard um, it's great, but I've never seen it. No, they mostly focus on the closeted homosexual and cross-dressing stuff. Really? Mm-hmm. So, no, no, well, well, that's what I was asking. Yeah, I mean, if, not... If, if they really got into that. I don't remember it being so much about Chaplin or the celebrities he was trying to get all this information on. Mainly um, just, like, his time at the FBI. Much. And, yeah. Okay. But... I mean, there are so many different iterations of J. Edgar Hoover in movies, right? Because we also have Billy Kluth. Uh, that was terrible. Uh, Cut up? Thank you. Uh, in <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are you trying to say? Thanks. I think it was in Public Enemy. He was J. Edgar Hoover. With, um, with, with, uh, Depp. Oh, shit, dude. You know how long it's been since I've seen Public Enemy? That's a good movie. It uh, is a great movie. Now, that's a good movie. What we're talking about today is just okay at best. All right. But, but. Okay, fine. That, Do you want to talk about good stuff about it? I have, very little, I have very little written down about it. So. Well, all right. So, okay. So, the first time I ever saw this movie, I was like, this is, this is great. Mm-hmm. I like this movie. And then when I watched it a second time is when I started doing a little bit more research. I wanted to know more. I wanted to know how much was correct and what was incorrect. Um, but the consensus was the movie was just okay. Mm-hmm. Critics were like, it's all right. But I heard, but I read nothing but great things about Robert Downey Jr. He's as great. Chaplin. He's absolutely wonderful at it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not only his likeness and his, um, I don't want to say impersonation because it's not because he just becomes Chaplin, right? I mean, right. in his mannerisms and all that, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I also really love Kevin Klein as Douglas Fairbanks. Oh, dude, well, I think Kevin Klein's amazing. Well, Kevin Klein can do no wrong. Uh, okay, yeah, He's great. He was in that uh, very stereotypical uh, Barry Sonnenfeld Wild Wild West remake, <laughs> and he was Kevin Klein was still A1. He was the best part of that whole stupid movie, wasn't he? <laughs> Especially when he's uh, talking about... Salma Hayek's boobs and then she shows up and he's still going. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, oh. And then leans to Will Smith like, how long has she been in here? And he's like, oh, you know, since the supple breast or something like that. <laughs> and he's like, I am so sorry. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Klein is great in it. And um, A Fish Called Wanda. I See, I was going to go big chill, but... Um, <laughs> so, 
they're great. The opening is great because oh, it starts in black and white, and he's taking off yeah. all of his makeup, oh. and it slowly goes into color, and then it's, you know, mm-hmm. Chaplin as as he is, not as the tramp, right? Right. Uh, which I really liked. And for some reason, I remember it being backwards, but shot backwards, right? Like him putting on his makeup, but they shot it backwards of him taking it off, right? Yeah. I don't know why I thought that, yeah. but anyway. <clears throat> because I think the some of it was backwards later on, like him coming up with the idea of the tramp. Some well, of that is shot really backwards. backwards as it was like he, you know, he's telling Anthony Hopkins, right. his editor for the bio, biography, you, like, you, biography. I can't. You keep, uh, you keep using air quotes. And air quotes. Because Anthony Hopkins knuckles? character doesn't exist, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. Anthony Hopkins character was created because as you told me, that it would be boring if he just narrated if, if yeah, and Robert they just, just narrated they need, the movie. They need Chaplin to talk out loud. Right. So. Um, but it's when he's explaining how he came up with the character of the tramp. And he, you know, he's like, I could f- feel him calling out to me. <laughs> and then, you know, like the cane jumps at him. And Anthony Hopkins is like, bullshit. Yeah. It's bullshit. And yeah. he's like, well, the truth is... Not as fun. Yeah. And it's him, like, running through the whole wardrobe, like, throwing shit around. Like, like, maybe this, maybe this, maybe this. Yeah. Um, trying things on, seeing if, you know. Yeah. Which that I could believe Charlie Chaplin really doing. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of this is speculation, I, I think. Um, because we're, you know, you had said something really interesting before we started, which is you do like narration when it's unreliable, right? Yes. And I agree. I really like unreliable narration. We get that in The Killing. We get it in Double Indemnity, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So, and very famously in uh, Usual Suspects, but that's fine. Um, but, you know, we're taking auto his autobiography called My Autobiography, which is why I keep calling it that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're in... Richard Attenborough says, mm-hmm. This is fact. What if it isn't? You yeah. know, what if he's embellishing? Just like he did when he was talking about how he created the Tramp character, right? I mean, yeah. we we don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he did write it very late in his life and, of course, never mentioned how he did anything uh, right. in in terms of his filmmaking. He wanted those secrets to be with him. Yeah. Because back then, no one said how they did things. Yeah, now it's like, oh, man, like uh, when um, I'm going to use this example and you're probably going to hate me. Uh, When I first when I watched Sin City for the first time, like two years ago. Wow. And Robert Rodriguez did the shot of the um, I don't know the character's name. So I'm just going to call her the samurai girl Mm -hmm. when she cuts someone's head off and the blood splatters on her face, but she doesn't blink. Right. Yeah. And Quentin Tarantino was on set when he was editing that shot and he had got it edited when she, when he did that and he was like, how did you get her not bl- to blink? And it's Robert a, was like, Oh, well I filmed her not blinking. And then we filmed her with her eyes closed and we splattered blood on her face. And then I mixed the two. Yep. And Quentin was like, but isn't that a cheat though? And he was like, it's movies, man. He's like, yeah, I guess. Her name is Miho, by the way. I've seen the movie a million times. I love Sin City. Yeah. Um, I had never seen it, and then someone gave me an extra copy, and I was like, all right. And I I liked it. Well, and see, that's the thing, is then they were seen as, like, trade secrets. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want someone else to know how I did this so they can do it for their movie. That's Right. But now it's like, who cares? Yeah. Right? 
Um, Uh, Because it's all CGI anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, and not even that. It's just, you know, this is how I did it. Aren't you impressed with me? (laughs) You know? Um, And yes, I am. Because now we're having to go back and try to figure out how we did this stuff. Right. Yeah. Because I I, I feel like I've been noticing more and more how they, how some directors have done shots. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to figure it out. But yeah. It's hard with Chaplin. Yeah. It's really hard. Because I'm assuming the scene that you really want to talk about is when he's in the gears. Wrong. That's not what I want to talk about. Because uh, the scene I want to talk, which is great, by the way, the the scene in the gears. um, Because he did shoot it forwards and then shoot it again backwards, right? Because they just Mm -hmm. did the, you know, probably the same shot forwards and backwards and they just spliced them together, right? Whatever. Right. The part I want to talk about is in the same movie, Modern Times, and it's the uh, roller skating scene where he's blindfolded and he's roller skating, and the woman he's with needs to warn him that the that he's on the ledge of a balcony and to the second floor of the mall. Oh, okay. And he's going to fall off, right? And he keeps just skating on the edge. Like, he'll go around, and then he'll go back around, and then he'll go right by the edge again. And it's always millimeters, mm-hmm. right? So, how did he do it, right? Because mm-hmm. that seems impossible, right? right? He's either the best skater in the world, which he probably was. I don't know. Uh, because he's great at everything, and he's very acrobatic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or... They did it this way. And okay. um, I did see the special features where um, movie engineers and special effects artists break it down and tell you, this is not 100% true. We don't know. But if he were to do it, this is how he would this do This is how he would have done it. Okay. And it is genius. Okay. Tell me. All right. What we see as the drop off to the first floor mm-hmm. from the second floor is on glass. So painted... Yes. Okay. And it is forced perspective, meaning it is like... To look like it's uh lower. Right, right, right. It is put um, maybe a foot away from the camera lens. They do that in uh, Star Wars A New Hope when when Obi-Wan's on the... Yes. Ledge. Exactly. That's a painted glass. To- yes. It's painted glass. And um, now when I say painted glass, I don't mean it's it's painted glass on the floor. I mean, it's painted glass. On a frame. On a frame that's in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. And your perspective is mm-hmm. to see it in the background. Right? right. But it's not. It's in the foreground. Mm-hmm. The only reason they can make that distinction is there is one, <laughs> one um cell of film okay where it might not be one cell it might be a few but where one of the wheels on his skate half of it disappears Uh, when he's on the edge and they're like where'd it go right because it looks so convincing mm -hmm. that they thought he actually just skated right around that edge and they must have been real oh yeah they had to because they have to know how he did it and so they did have a couple of things that were real that interconnected with that pane glass. Mm-hmm. So when those things overlap, it gives a better sense of it being real and tangible and touch. you could touch it, right? Right. And there's like a, a, a wood plank on a seesaw and that's interconnected in the, the painting and also out of the painting. Okay. So it's one solid piece of material that went... 
in the painting and out of the painting at the same time, giving it depth, right? Whatever. So anyway, (laughs) that's genius. It is. Right? And having to... And only that, I mean, we're talking millimeters of his wheel, being able to show you that that's how it's done and only once. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you do that? It's, he, it's amazing. You know, that makes me think that he must have rehearsed it. Over and over and over. Over again. and over with the blindfold, without the blindfold, mm-hmm. with, you know, really like, okay. Because, you know, you know, these were the 20s and the 30s, you know, there's... You know, practical effects are that. They're practical. Mm. But, you know, no one's coming up with, you know, okay, we'll put your wheel on a track. Well, how are you going to hide the track right. in the 30s? So it's like in modern times was the last silent film we did. Uh, mm. That was in 36, which is nine years after talkies. Talkies. Yeah. yeah. And so at this point, they're just like, dude, come on. You know? Yeah. Um, so should we explain why he not necessarily didn't want to do a talkie, but why it took him so long? Um, sure. Yeah? Yeah, go for it. Well, you want me to do it? Yeah, why not? Okay. Um, well, then just know that I'm basing this off of the, the movie. That's fine. Okay. So, like me and Jeremy have been talking about, well, more so Jeremy, because he knows more about Chaplin than I do. Charlie had created a character, the Tramp. Which is, when you think of Charlie Chaplin, that's what you think of. Yeah. Is the tramp. Um, and like I said, going off of the movie Chaplin, you know, Doug Fairbanks had been pushing him, you know, his brother had been pushing him to get into talkies. And the reason why he never wanted to do it, because as soon as the tramp talks, he's done. Or he's dead, is how they worded it and. Chaplin is he's dead. Yeah, and I I do think that's probably some sort of truth. I I, mm. I don't know if that's exactly how he would have said it, but yeah, he did not want the tramp to talk because the tramp doesn't live in dialogue; it lives in action and it lives in pantomime, which kind of you know makes me think of classic cartoons. Mm-hmm. You know, is that he he sees the tramp as a cartoon character, mm-hmm. and you know, back in the twenties and the thirties, just like silent film cartoons didn't. They only had the sound of, you know, whatever they were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the characters themselves rarely ever talked. Right. Um, and Which they based a lot of that. Chuck Jones based a lot of that on Buster Keaton. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Because oh, Chuck Jones is the fucking man, dude. Um, I could talk for hours <laughs> on Chuck Jones, okay? <laughs> Chuck Jones oh, here we go. gave us the best Looney Tunes episodes, okay? The best... Tom and Jerry episodes, preferably the best Looney Tunes episodes we ever got. Like, and his style, oh, like, ah, oh, wow. I fucking love Chuck Jones, okay? And with that, Rain was able to achieve orgasm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, so Chuck based a lot of his cartoons on Buster Keaton. Okay. Because Buster Keaton, where Chaplin was. Um, more intricate in his storytelling mm-hmm. and in his shots and in his, you know, in his tramp doing things. Right. Buster was all about the, well, not all about it, but most all about the, the acrobatics and the stunts. 
Mm-hmm. If he can get the stunt in one shot, they moved on and they did something else. I feel like you told me that. Yeah, recently. it's unbelievable. The best stunt he ever did, in my personal opinion, was there was a car drove in front of him. He grabbed the end of it and it flew him off. That was real. Um, it would have ripped anyone else's arm off. But he just grabbed it and went. And um, Dick Van Dyke once talked to him about it. And he said, how did you do that? Did you, like, slow the car down? Did you speed up the, the film? He goes, nah, man, I just grabbed it. <laughs> God. Well, yeah, really? From what I heard, Buster Keaton was a, a lunatic anyway. He, I mean, dude's a legend. I mean, in, in, <laughs> dude's a legend. I mean, he's the best. I, you know, I mean, Chaplin's also the best, but in his own way. Yeah, they're they're different, but they're both geniuses. And no. we could do a whole episode on Buster as well, which I've done half of this episode on Buster. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> but I mean, so <clears throat> now, since again, since you know more about Chaplin than I do, the whole idea of the Great Dictator, mm-hmm. which was the Tramp's final movie, yeah. You know, how they portray it in Chaplin in, in, in the film is he's attending a – is it a United Artists party or is it just a party for I don't these know. They're actors? all wearing the same jacket. And so they all have a – well, no, they don't have a pen. That guy did. Yeah. Yeah, which I'm about to say. Uh, and then there is a German uh, do- uh, director there who is a part of the Nazi party. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy – that this scene plays out the way it does because everyone is so enchanted by what he has to say. I think it's everyone's in just like thirty six or thirty seven when he attends the party because he doesn't start the Great Dictator until thirty eight, mm-hmm. um, and he's yeah, which he's means still, Poland had not been invaded yet. That was nineteen thirty nine. So yes, but I well yeah, and then he was with. Um, Paulette Goddard, mm-hmm. who portrayed uh, by Diane Lane in the film. Love Diane Lane. Um, and, you know, Chaplin in the film is very offended that he's there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the stars or directors calls him out is like, oh, well, you have to excuse Chaplin. He's a Jew. And so he uh, – and, it, and it's such a – it's something I could believe Charlie Chaplin doing is he, you know, he clicks his heels – and calls Paulette by her maiden name, which I guess is a little bit more Jewish, to really kind of stick it to him. <laughs> and then they leave the party. Because he, he wasn't Jewish. Uh, that was a, a misconception that he had his whole life. People thought he was Jewish and he wasn't. Um, but then <clears throat> as they're leaving the party, you know, Doug is also leaving, Doug Fairbanks. And he says, you know, I think he stole your look. Adolf, that is. Your, your mustache. Yeah. Would you say... That's how he came up with that idea, or the legend legend has it that Adolf did grow the mustache because Chaplin was so beloved. So he thought. So Adolf thought, if I have Mm -hmm. a tramp mustache, people will love me too. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it worked. It it worked. I mean, Um, to legend has it. uh, Bo Burnham, uh, you know, when I say hey, you say ho. That's basically how Hitler rose to power. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. but, yeah, I mean, that's what legend has it. I'm not sure if that's true, but I like the story that well, he grew it because... Well, I was mainly asking about Chaplin. the Dirk, Dirk, Great Dictator. It's, and that's one of the things Roger Ebert put in the review was they treat the creative process like it's nothing. And I even wrote down they, they treat the creative process with kid gloves. 
You would, know, would you like to elaborate on that? Sure. It's just like he watched, uh, he ran to that German, watched uh, an Adolf Hitler Propaganda film, film, yeah. And it was like, oh, I'm making the great. That's, I, I, no, <laughs> that's not how really it works. Yeah. You know, um, especially because the story is so intricate and the dialogue is so powerful. And for someone who didn't start their career writing dialogue, it's amazing. Are you, are you, I'm assuming you're referring to the the Great Dictator film. Yeah, the whole movie is fantastic. Um, there is a scene which we get a little bit of at the very end, and it's one of the most powerful scenes in the whole movie. It's him as um, as Hinkle <laughs> mm-hmm. um, with the globe. It's one of the most powerful scenes in the movie. Oh, when he's yeah, when he's playing with when he's dancing with the globe. It's like a ballet with the mm-hmm. globe. Um, and it has it is so much you know power in its meaning and in its imagery and it's awesome right right um, I, you know it, it's hard to say that that's well that's what did it blah 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 you know now would you say over it. would you say like with the Chaplin film that scene when he's you know he's watching one of Hitler's propaganda films and he's trying to he mimics the accent and the delivery but of course he's saying. Nonsense words. German gibberish, which is how it is in the movie, in The Great Dictator. Oh, okay. That's how he talks. He'll say, you know, he'll end things with sauerkraut, and uh, he'll, uh, yeah, <laughs> That's fucking and he'll awesome. say like Volkswagen and things like. I mean, he'll. Yeah, I mean, but, it's that's how we talk to the movie. But that whole scene with him and his brother, how his brother's like, you know, like, no one wants to see a film about Adolf Hitler. Yeah, and, and I thought that was way over the top, and I thought it was silly, and okay. um, personally. Because well, he's I, like, I do want to see a movie about it, and that's silly. I don't, I don't think that's how it went down. Yeah, because you know, from his point of view, he's saying like that he can see the comedy, yeah, in it, but Sid can't. It, it's the it's the same argument they had with the uh, Ellis Island short film. Oh, when he right? kicks the yeah, you want to <laughs> hang on? I want to get the accent right because it's Cockney, but uh, which I love Sydney's accent uh-huh. in the in the movie. It's great. Um, Sorry. Because <laughs> uh, he says, up the backside, you know, he's an immigration officer on the backside. You think that's funny? You know, it's um, it's the same argument, mm-hmm. right? So it's a little redundant. It's a little boring uh, that they keep having the same argument throughout mm-hmm. all these years. And maybe it's meant to mean something. I don't know. But I, yeah. you know, I think it it's yada yada through the creative process. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't doesn't make the outcome any less important, but right. it's, I don't know. Yeah, because, you know, now that you say it's kind of redundant, because then Chaplin almost has the same in the film, uh, he almost has the same argument with Jager Hoover. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, he's very bored at this table and so he starts playing with the... Mm-hmm. Which is in the gold rush. That's what he does in the gold rush. Uh, he plays with the with roles, the, yeah, mm-hmm. and the, and the forks, and it's he does this little dance. It's awesome. Um, but you know, he pretty much says like you know, you know, a lot of these people have nothing. So seeing something like that, getting a kick up the backside, mm-hmm. empowers them. Yeah, and you know, you know, to the layman, he's essentially saying like I'm giving them something to root for. Mm-hmm. But to Jager Hoover, he's like, oh, he's a communist. Yeah. Oh, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> uh, there's a great movie about the the investigation into Joseph McCarthy. It's called Good Night and Good Luck. I recommend it. Guess who's also in it? Robert Downey Jr. So Really? Yeah. So uh, he was like so Robert's like, hey, 
I did this movie about Chaplin. Now I'm going to do this movie about Jagger Hoover. Well, it's uh, Joseph McCarthy, but yeah. Oh, um, same thing. Said Red Scare, Witch Hunt, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. boring. Red Scare was a uh, turbulent time and I, and, Well, and I mentioned, you know, um, it wasn't just Chaplin. It was also Dalton Trumbo in the, in the Hollywood 10. And, you know, I mean, it, it didn't just affect Chaplin, right? Oh, yeah, no. No, the Red and Scare the was the movie a... makes it seem like Jagger Hoover was only after Chaplin, which is ridiculous, and it's not true. Yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah, the Red Scare was a uh, such a hard time for people in America. <laughs> and, you know, I and I don't I, I mean, I guess it's true that there's almost 2000 pages in Chaplin's file uh, I, that Hoover had. I read somewhere that the 2000 that are disclosed. There gotcha. could be more. Because, oh, okay. uh, again, he was just obsessed with the private lives of celebrities and he uses power to get it you know it's mm. ridiculous anyway um this is not a political episode but <laughs> i don't know anything about, i don't know anything about politics you but, think i don't think man um i'll have to get my cat in here she knows everything oh but your cat is so sweet um, um you know and uh i want to ask you because mm-hmm. <clears throat> i've been kind of thinking about it while we've been talking because it's almost like the last 15 minutes of Chaplin <clears throat> are almost like a a love letter to him. Yeah. You know, so I'm glad you bring up the ending because it is the and I wrote it down, it is the only genuine emotion I get <laughs> from Chaplin. Uh and it's the it's the hardest emotion I get is at the end, right? Mm-hmm. But it's an ending they don't earn. You know, because we see this montage from the 19, I wrote it down, 72 um, Academy Awards, and this is when he gets his honorary Oscar. Yeah, so his, uh, five years before he died. Mm-hmm. So he's 83. Yeah. And he looks all of 83. Um, I will say, for 1992, that old man makeup was pretty impressive. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, the makeup was great. I was going to mention that, because he, it look, it, there are some moments when it's like, mm. yeah, because that lot, one is really good. Because a lot of it, a lot of it was just, they, Made his hair look gray. Well, and he did. He did have gray and white hair pretty early. I think, um, in terms of when people get white and gray hair, but, yeah, because um, it was full white in the fifties. Yeah, when he was uh, with Diane Lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, right. So we get this montage of his films, and it would be so much more powerful if we had seen any of this in the movie. <laughs> We get none of this in the movie, and um, yeah, the only, the only like yeah, because now that I'm thinking about it, because the only time we see the kid is when you know they're they're holed up in the hotel editing it. Yeah, and Chaplin's like, ah, I love that kid, and it's the scene where he's he's, he's like rubbing the rock and he's like handing it to the person behind him who's a cop, and he's yeah. like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, and Chaplin's like, love that kid. It's a great movie, uh, Jackie Cougar. Um, and then, uh, like we mentioned with Gold Rush, we see the the Rocky yes. House. Oh, man, that whole movie is just so ingenious in its delivery and its special effects. Because, I mean, it does a lot of that um, cut, jump cut, you know, where mm-hmm. cut inside, cut outside. Mm-hmm. And, of course, cut inside, set, cut outside, miniature. But it works, and it's brilliant. Right. Um Anyway, you know, and it's, yeah. And would you like to know how he did that? 
by the way. There's what? there's a shot in Gold Rush where it's the miniature, but you can see him hanging out of the uh, out of the door. It's amazing. How did they do that? Well, now, uh, <laughs> those of you who are listening, I apologize if this is not exactly what it's called, but it's a bipack camera. Okay. Uh, where you have a reel at the top and a reel at the bottom, and it films things simultaneously and overlays them on top of one another. Oh, okay. That way you have the perfect overlay, uh, perfect timing to do that. Mm -hmm. And so they could film him from very far away, hanging out of whatever, and then overlay the house on top of it. And you have... Wow. Yeah, it's brilliant. Anyway, Chaplin was brilliant. He's... And that movie's brilliant. It's great. Um, But anyway, (laughs) that could have been in the movie. But anyway, whatever. Um... Yeah, and he is, you know, famously, I think he has the record of standing ovation because it was like a 10-minute standing ovation after that montage was over. Yeah, because, you know, how they did it in in the film is he's standing on a black stage, standing at the podium while the montage is playing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's having this very real emotion looking up and hearing the audience laughing at everything because mm. still after 50 years yeah it, and that was a real thing back then is the silent film actors thought that everyone just forgot you know that it's no one cares about these old silent films no one cares about our old work you know that was a real thing and so that I respected that they, that they should chap them like who like they've forgotten about me yeah um and, you know, in his case, I think it's not as prevalent because he had done things after that, mm-hmm. you know, like Great Dictator, Monsieur Verdu, and Limelight. Uh, even King of New York, which is the last starring role he did in 57 after he left, blah, 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 whatever. We should mention, everyone, that he, um, Chaplin uh, was exiled in... Uh, 52. 52. Uh, meaning uh, that the government kicked him out of America and they said, don't come back. Yeah. And he was like, you got it. I'm going to Sweden. <laughs> yeah, they're like, smell you later, dweebs. I'm going to I'm going to Switzerland. Who's Switzerland? No. Well, whatever. Swa. 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 And um, if anyone from Sweden or Switzerland is listening, we apologize. And wow, thanks for listening. <laughs> Um, (laughs) uh, anyway so yeah he did Limelight that came out in 52 and I think I read somewhere that they had to it was it was sort of the the timeline's a little off in the movie I think because I think he was kicked out before the movie came out but I don't know if that's true either yeah because you know in, 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 in the Chaplin film I think they just go on vacation or something yeah and as they're out on vacation is when J. Edgar Hoover is like, all right. Because they could finally get him because he's not in America at the time. Yeah. I think they, were, they they went back to England or whatever. Yeah. And then as they're on a boat coming back into New York is when they, when Una is trying to find him on the boat. And she's like, you've been, you've been exiled. Right. And Sydney lived forever, dude. Sydney died because he's the older brother. Sydney yeah. died on his 76th birthday. On Chaplin's 76th oh, okay. birthday. So he was like in his 80s. <laughs> so well, he looked uh, Apparently they were half brothers. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, now, would you like to talk about... Oh, we didn't even talk about Geraldine. I was just about to say that. Oh, we didn't talk about Geraldine. So... I love Geraldine. One Chaplin. of the running things in the Chaplin film is really talking about his relationship with his mother. Mm-hmm. 
Now, is that true that his mom went crazy? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I think Richard Attenborough did a, an amazing job casting Geraldine Chaplin, Charlie's daughter, daughter, to play her grandmother. And that's, I mean, it's a testament to his um, womanizing, I guess, is that we can still have living relatives of mm-hmm. his now. Yeah. Is Geraldine still alive and her daughter, um, Una? I think it's Una, uh, who was in Taboo, is still alive. What did Geraldine think about the movie? Did you read anything about what she thought of the movie? No. I mean, she was in it, so I guess she, she had she to okay read it? the script. Yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah. Um, I mean, she really loved Robert Downey Jr. Uh, really? In his portrayal. She said it was. It like was dad kinda, was there. Yeah, I mean, it was. She. I mean, it's kind of like when Jim Carrey did, did. Oh, Man on the Moon. Dude, we could talk for hours about Man on the Moon. That's true. Fucking love that movie um, too. And now that movie I like. Uh, <laughs> um, and it, you know, with Andy Kaufman's family, it was like having Andy back. Yeah. She said it was like seeing my dad again because um, he. It was perfect. But I'm sure the difference is that Robert didn't demand people call him Charlie on set. Yeah, I mean that's true. You know, it's it's well, kind of like demand. Um, Jim was more like, oh no, the family, Andy Kaufman's family called him Andy mm-hmm. because Jim went full method for that. Oh, I know. I've seen the documentary. Oh, dude. <laughs> like I said, we could talk for hours about Man on the Moon. But we can't right now. We're talking about Geraldine. Yeah. Um, but that, see that, and that makes me, that kind of makes me happy, you know? And again, as we talked about last week with Hugh Jackman and his range, mm. I feel like Robert is also. Not underrated, but I think he's almost undermined because people see him and they see Tony Stark. Which, yeah. which I'll be real, I love Marvel, but Tony Stark is just Robert being Robert, you know. Yeah, and you know, it's um, for me, I'm just more impressed that he can do accents. Oh yeah, he's one of the only, he's one of the few Americans that gets away with doing British and Australian accents. Yeah, the only time. <laughs> Yeah, fucking Tropic Thunder when he was <laughs> pretending to be an Australian actor pretending to be an African American. Yeah, I love that movie. Um, the movies that's like that's like it's like two inceptions deep there. <laughs> <laughs> that's two levels deep, man. Um, but no, I, I completely agree because then, like uh, you know, later in his career, when you see Sherlock Holmes, he's nailing that. Because it, it's a different dialect of British accent. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a different um, it's a different accent. Now, of course, I am worried. What the fuck, Doolittle's accent is supposed to be? It's you it's know, almost like a cross of Scottish and British. Well, because it was the actor who played him originally, and I forgot his name. Sorry, guys. I'm assuming was he Scottish? I don't remember, but I do remember that that's what I knew that that's the the look they're going for, and that's uh-huh. what. It's like a continuation of the original Dr. Doolittle from the 60s. Or okay. 50s. Sorry. I don't know. Um, I'm sure it's on Disney+. Plus. Um, today's episode brought to you by Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus, give me a free subscription. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Why isn't everything on there? I don't know. You were just, you were just showing me. Not everything's on there. Uh, at least not Netflix. Right Cancel those contracts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like, yeah, no, I completely agree. Because, you know... <sighs> see... Okay, I'm going to use another actor as another example. Oh, boy. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Him and Robert are probably the two actors I can pick out that can do accents really well. 
in the sense that they can make a different accent sound like it would belong to them. You know, so like his accent in Chaplin, Robert, you would believe that Robert was probably British in real life because it was. I cannot believe you didn't say Tom Hardy for the other person, but go ahead. Well, he's so much. I mean, his different dialects of British and his American I, accent. I'm, is, I'm getting there. Just hang on. Okay. okay. Listen. Anyway, <laughs> Robert's real accent versus his, you know, like if he does a British accent, you know, there's certain cadences in each one mm-hmm. that, it, like I said, it sounds like he could be British. And then take Benedict Cumberbatch, who is British, and his American accent sounds... Again, with those same cadences that you would believe he's really British. Are you are you that upset that I didn't say Tom Hardy? I mean, I'm a little upset you didn't say Tom okay, Hardy. Okay, then talk about Tom Hardy. He's amazing. So, um... I mean, we are Venom 2 that I he's mean, writing. I mean, yeah, like, I love Benedict Cumberbatch. I would call myself a Cumberbitch, but... <laughs> Like, like you guys are reservos, you know. Reservos. You guys who listen to reservations religiously and are really sad when we take a week off. I know, I get it. You know, uh, I would consider myself a cumber bitch, but the, but I think in terms of accents and different dialects and having them just spot on with Tom, I think it's brilliant. Well, I think yeah. he's so good at it. Anyone named Tom, you know, like Tom Holland does a really good Queen's accent. You know, he's the only Spider-Man with a Queen's accent. I didn't know that. that was, I didn't know that was a thing until I watched a Kevin Smith video where he was like, yeah, he's, he's the only Spider-Man who could do a Queen's accent. Well, and because, you know, a great example of different different accents in the same sort of confined area would be Texas because we have a West Texas, <sighs> North Texas, South, and Bro. East. And they're all different accents. Bro. Bro. It, yeah, I, I have I want there's a video I'm gonna send it to you once oh, I find it uh, uh, I think it was Vanity Fair they interviewed a lot of different British actors asking them what's the hardest English uh, or American accent to do and majority of them said Texas it's hard I know because yeah. we have lots of different yeah, accents you know so from, in the same place from where from West Texas you know we have our Texas draw Mine only really comes out when I'm frustrated. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll I'll drop the y'all. I mean, I say y'all anyway, but it, it, it I really it has that twang to it when I'm frustrated. Okay. Or if I'm really tired, I'll be like, yeah. And so you know, uh, I I'm just going off of what I've heard in my own head. Um, but you know, and people listening to us probably. Hear yeah. the accent. They pro- yeah, they we, probably we don't. Um, but you know, then like, you know, people up in Dallas have a completely different accent. It's even a different though, Texas accent. It's yeah. still a twang, but it's a different kind. Yeah. Um, in East Texas is different. South Texas is different. And, and you know, and welcome back to the the accents podcast. Ugh. Man, we, we can we can never because that guy who does the dialect videos on YouTube is awesome. I love that guy. Breaking down your favorite accents. Oh, he's the best. But no, yeah. But the point I was trying to make is that Robert does such an amazing job. I agree. Um, with because it's like a combination of like Cockney and like an yeah, upper, because his brother is Cockney and from like an upper. London mm-hmm. accent. Um, yeah, so to put it in perspective, um, it's like to put it in a Texas accent, you can have this one or you could have this one. 
Yeah. Right. There we go. It's and that's the difference between hello and oi. Hello. Oi. Oi. Hello. You want some water? You know, it's that, you know uh, it's uh, in which I find the Cockney one way more interesting. Well uh, and uh, uh, man. way more compelling to listen to. Bro, Cockney I guess is our like really southern accent. I could also do the same example with the Boston accent. Uh, oh so Jesus the, Christ. The upper echelon of Boston is like we will go to the moon, for the moon is made of jet. Um, that was uh, JFK. JFK. <laughs> Talking about how the moon is made of cheese. I believe that's how the the speech went. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and is, then, he, <laughs> is that why uh, Lee Harvey Oswald just had to take him out? Absolutely, because he <laughs> these people can't know that the moon is made out of cheese. Oh my God, the moon is made of cheese. We will go to the moon. But the moon is made of China. Oh and, my fucking god! Uh, so that's the upper, upper echelon, and then you have like, um, <laughs> and uh, then you have like more of like the gone baby gone, or uh, okay, the town. You, or, you did that for like five minutes on the Devil's Rejects episode when you did your character from Boston. Yeah, uh, I. Dear God, I don't want to hear it again. Oh, you don't want to hear it again? No. All right. Well, anyway. I say uh, that out of love. That's Jesus Christ. Gone, baby, gone. <laughs> um, I do love accents, and, and now, the Boston one's my favorite one. And now Ben Affleck's got a new movie, uh, The Way Back, where he's a drunken coach. Oh, amazing. So I he's essentially- not, uh, I have not seen the trailer yet. So he, it's essentially hardball with Keanu Reeves. Just ha- not- It's uh, hardball. <laughs> Yeah, but that doesn't it's take place would, in Boston, it's though. What it would end up being. Oh, my fucking God. It's, it's like hardball, but pronounced differently. Oh, my God. <laughs> hardball. Oh, my God. Benny Affleck. He's <laughs> a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Or uh, uh, my favorite thing to do is... Oh, that's right. Sylvester's I did, because we were talking about the... Um, yeah, when you were at... Uh, Comic-Con. Yeah. yeah. Permian Basin Comic-Con. I completely forgot we talked oh, about Jesus that. Christ. Because I was like, wait, yeah, did I do we, it? we interrupted the middle of talking about the Devil's Rejects for you to for you to say this story. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it's my fault. I wanted you to tell the story. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a it, it's a decent story, yeah. I suppose. But anyway, so Chaplin, so um, Chaplin. I I guess overall, I, I would say I don't like the movie. I guess, yeah. uh, and and that's fine because you can also like it, and that's fine because I like that we can disagree on this thing. I mean, okay, so I I, mean, I definitely think people don't. should watch it. You know, don't don't take it all uh, to heart and in stride. You know, because as you said, you know it could have been embellished. If I know, uh, you know that was one of the critics' things about it that there was a lot of inaccuracies. Mm-hmm. But I think people should watch it just to get a a feel for who Charlie Chaplin was. I mean, I would watch it for the performances alone. Oh yeah, I mean, you enough. definitely should. I mean, Robert, yeah, <sighs> he's. <laughs> He's so much more than Tony Stark, people, okay? And any of the younger listeners out there, he's more than Tony Stark. Yes, SoundCloud listeners. Yeah, watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Get a grip. (sighs) Or Natural Born Killers. Bro, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I can also talk for hours. (laughs) Like, when he he pees on the corpse, and he's like... uh, (laughs) And then when he calls Mel Kilmer, and he's like, well, I, I peed on it. What do you mean you peed on it? And he's like trying to go on. No, 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 no. Like we're coming back to this. What do you mean you peed? It's like I didn't do it on purpose. Okay, it was in the bathroom and she was just there. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. It's a pretty great movie. Yeah. Uh, 
Would you uh, like to give a tease for next week? I would love to, because my man. It's, it's a it's a your pick. It is a Jeremy pick. Yes, uh, very very excited for this next one. And I swear to God, <laughs> if you look up anything about this, I'm movie not going to look up anything about the movie. Um, all I know, it will ruin your enjoyment. Of all the movie. I know is that everyone has said that the time travel of this movie. If you try to understand it, it makes your brain hurt. And we're gonna we're gonna get into it um, because the time travel is explainable, and so it's so it's if complicated. Everyone, if everyone's listening, uh, more of the hints is it's this is a time travel movie. It is predestination. Very very exciting. I, Ethan Hawke. It is the same director and writer as Daybreakers. If you remember that stupid movie. <laughs> oh, is that the one uh, the vampire? Yeah. Also with Ethan Hawke. Hey, but Willem Dafoe's in that bitch too, and that's a good actor. Man. And Sam Neill. That's right. I forgot Zanio was in that. Yeah, I mean, it's not stupid, but it's kind of stupid. <laughs> well, it's got some really cool ideas. The con- yeah, the concept is inter- interesting that that this is now a world of vampires. Yeah. And, and their food source is running low. And I love the, the idea of the blackout windows. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, I mean, you can't see through them, and so they have cameras, and so that's how they can drive. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, but, but we're not going to talk about that. No, we're going to talk about the movie that is so much better. It is Predestination. It is a science fiction film and a time travel film. And that's you all I can say about it without ruining it. You know, I was wondering when we were going to do an Ethan Hawke movie. because well, I love Ethan Hawke. I know you do. I yeah. mean, I don't dislike him. I think I haven't seen enough movies with him in it. You really need to see the Before trilogy. I think you would really like that. The before? Uh, before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Before Midnight. What was that one movie with him and Uma Thurman uh, about rockets? Uh. <laughs> what? It's, um, <laughs> I had to watch it. Uh, she wants to dance like Uma Thurman, bury me till I can pass. Oh, dude, we're so getting sued now. Oh, no. Sorry, Fallout Boy. <laughs> Sorry, um, but I mean, I nailed it some. It's, um, (laughs) this is going to bug the piss out of me. Ethan Hawke. Because we, uh, it was when we were in, um. Now, I like me some, uh, I like me some October Sky, but that's not the same movie. No, I was (laughs) about to say, like, he's not in that movie. movie You're talking about, because that's Jake Gyllenhaal and Laura Dern. Um, well, so, like, it was uh, when we, um, it was when we were in high school. And it's about Wockets? Yeah, and it was uh, it was Ethan my Hawk science and, class. Ethan Hawke and Wockett. Um, I'm gonna find it. Okay, okay. It's gonna um, bug the living hell out of me. But and I do, I do think you would really enjoy the Before trilogy. I think. Uh, let's see, what's another Ethan Hawke? I mean, Ethan Hawke is so great. First Reformed is amazing. Uh, that was um, pretty recent. Uh, I can't wait to see Adopt a Highway, which is. Um, one that he's done fairly recently. It's not out yet, so. I didn't know he was in. It's a um, drifter who finds a baby. Oh, that poster. was it. I found it. Gattaca. Oh, Gattaca. Oh, my God. <laughs> I completely forgot about Gattaca. I love that movie. And I can't believe. You're right. We watched a Mrs. Hobbs' class. Uh, I didn't have Miss Hobbs. Why well, Miss Hobbs? I, I uh, my first and only fight was in her classroom um, in, in <laughs> freshman year. But yeah, dude, we watched Gattaca in high school. I remember that. Yeah, because his brother. Uh, Sorry, Dad, I forgot about Gattaca. Was, his brother's Jude Law, right? Yes. No. No. no his brother is Bullethead from <laughs> the Steve Harvey show. <laughs> no, but he switches lives with uh, Jude Law. <sighs> that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because because they killed Jude Law's character, right? 
it's been a while. I just remember Tony Shalhoub was the guy who had to make sure he was tall enough. So they had to graft. They had to break his legs and, oh, and yeah. extend them, right? Mm-hmm. Oh. And had to, yeah. I mean, the it was thing, amazing. I love the movie. The very one much. thing I really took away from that movie is exfoliate. Oh. You got to exfoliate. You got to get, well, it's because he can't leave uh, dead skin anywhere because it's not Jude Law's skin. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. Um, it's a great movie. Yeah, I highly recommend Gattaca. We need to do an episode of Gattaca. Yeah. But. I'm going to have to really rewatch it. Um, but anyway. <laughs> Predestination next week. Next um, week. If and you'd like, I, I mean, in your research, okay. uh, do you have an Audible account? I do. Uh, you should get the short story. It's called okay. All You Zombies. Oh, yeah. mm. I um, see. I like that. Why didn't they use that? Um, I mean, you know, I love I'm sure science they, fiction. I'm sure people would have assumed it was probably a zombie film. Probably. Then. It's kind of like, why isn't it Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption? Uh-huh. Because people think it's a Rita Hayworth biopic, and that's not what it is. But it's um, a Stephen King book. I know. But if so, it said Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption, they got uh, people calling in, like agents saying, hey, my client's really into this. She would be a perfect Rita Hayworth. Because Rita was not in the fucking movie. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, man, not a part for your client. Sorry. So they had to change the name. Um, but All You Zombies, um, is, yeah, I would think maybe that's why they changed it. And Predestination, no. I mean, is pretty well, that, that It'll make sense once you watch it. Yeah. And, um, I would highly recommend listening to it. You will need, you will want to listen to it over and over and over again. It's very short, and it, I mean it's amazing how much <laughs> how much information they can give you in that short amount of time. Yeah, for you um, to say what <laughs> you know. Because if I don't say what, uh, I want my money back. Yeah, oh, dude, you're gonna be like what when you watch this movie? You're like, no way. If I don't, if I don't, if I don't pull. A uh, Silver Links playbook and throw something out the window mm-hmm. and then call my dad to bitch. Uh, I want my money back. I want my time back is what I really want. For sure. Uh, I'd also like to mention that our buddy Alex. Yes, Alex will be joining us well, for Predestination. Might hopefully. be joining us. We need to confirm, but Alex will be back. Yes, hopefully. Alex will be back. Maybe. I have no idea what we're doing after Predestination. Family uh, Opera. Oh, that's oh, right. Shit, I just said it. Oh, my. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Okay, cool. Well, that no one heard sense. that because I whispered it. You yeah. probably could hear it. Yeah, yeah. Well, well uh, we hope everyone enjoyed Chaplin. Um, again, definitely watch the movie. Uh, it's sure. Like Jeremy said, just for the performances alone. And then track down, uh, you know, get on that Criterion collection and uh, track down Charlie's movies. Oh, please. Yes, absolutely. If you want to know him, watch his movies. All right. Well, we hope everyone enjoyed and we will see you next week for Predestination. Mm-hmm.